Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, Michael Adams here. Just wanted to tell you about a great new book, Rise of the Toa. This is a kid's book about Tongan culture written through the filter of the Tongan Rugby League team. So it's something near and dear to our hearts, and I'm sure the same is true of anyone listening to this. Uh, This book was written by Elisa Tatafu and David Riley with illustrations by Tongan legend Sikamanu. David Riley is an Auckland-based author and teacher who's written a series of kids' books on rugby league and other sporting topics, often with a Pacifica focus. A very worthwhile series of books. You can read all about them at readingwarrior.com. And that is also where you can go to order your copy of Rise of the Toa, which is available and very reasonably priced uh, in ebook and hardcover. I've got my copy. Uh, I urge you all to go and get one too. So that's Rise of the Toa at readingwarrior.com. On with the show. Welcome back to the Rugby League Digest. I'm Michael Adams here with two very special guests. Uh, we've got uh, Michael Carboni here uh, from Chasing Kangaroos. He's co-host on Chasing Kangaroos <laughs> and the solo host of, a, of another great rugby league uh, podcast, Sports Best Friends, Big T, the biggest tiger. How are you, blokes? Fantastic, mate. It's uh, It was awesome to watch you do that live. Like, I get to hear it every week, but to see it in action it's uh it's it's cool man thanks for having us on no this this is a real treat for me like t i, I met you briefly at a tom brock a, a couple of years ago uh carbs this is first uh, time yeah first time but um you know big fans of, of both of your work uh <laughs> thanks mate oh, now i think i can speak on behalf of big t who uh he's never lost for words but he is right now but we're big fans of you guys as well it's a, a must listen rld is a must listen for us every week so it's great to be here, man. Thank you so much. Oh, awesome. So- I'm professionally nuts talking over you. <laughs> As all good co-hosts do. Uh, this is literally a dream come true. Listening to you do it and then saying introducing me is... <laughs> and I don't know if it's the champagne we had before or if it's just the excitement, but I'm feeling warm. No, you're a very gracious host. Appreciate the champagne. So um, I've got a very specific reason that I, I wanted uh, to get both of you on this show, but but I thought before we get to the meat of the episode, uh, just a, a little getting to know you exercise. And, and let's just uh, talk a bit about <coughs> rugby league and, and, and where you come in on it. So, uh, T, let's start with you. Well, I currently feel like this is a 1961 grand final where I'm with Langlands and who was the other person? Oh, you're Reg Gaznia. These oh, are mortals. I'm happy with that, yeah. And I'm, De- <laughs> I'm Dennis Tuddy, you know, on the other side. You know, it was respectable, but maybe not as godlike. So I'm I'm ex- excited about that. And obviously, Bowman went on to lose that grand final. So that's a nice way uh, for me to, you know, ingratiate you guys even before. I think that was one of your 11 in a row. It was in the period, yes. Yeah, see, I'm just, you. we all know that. I'm just, you know, being very nice <laughs> to the Dragons fans. Uh, football, I mean, it's the greatest it's the thing that I do every week because that's the best thing I want to do every week. We were talking before about how we have full-time jobs and full-time parents, but we spend a huge amount of time doing this because it's the best thing to do yeah. outside of having a family and 
have your job. And and you're a Tigers man. You know, Every day. You grew up <laughs> in the area? I did, and um, Super League was a speed bump. We'll get to it soon. But the uh, yeah, I grew up in the area, went to Leichhardt all the time with my dad and uh, and went to Newcastle Stadiums a lot with my mum oh, and, her, and her parents. But well, can we talk about Super League already? I feel like it's the elephant that I'm trying not but, to yeah, talk about in the room. Get it out. So that's the only time I've ever followed Rugby Union. <laughs> was from, okay, was all right. From, so th- thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> it was from those two World Cups, 99 to 03. I, uh, it was a great time in the Wallabies. Well, I presume it was a great time for them. It was the only time I've ever followed them. But, yeah, I had, to, I had some time in a way. And I'm so grateful that I came back after 03 because obviously we won in 05 and I would never have forgiven myself if I'd missed that through spite. Uh, particularly, I mean, we're going to talk about 95, but the Sydney Tigers – was a real low light. So yes, I've been I've been following since then, since forever. Grew up with the '89 Grand Final as a bedtime story, and it's motivated me to still be nice to Canberra <laughs> and everyone else because allegedly it was a great game. Uh, and, and Carbs, a fellow Dragons man. Yeah. Where does it start with you, mate? I was born that way. I had no choice. My, it's my old man's <laughs> fault. And uh, we're not not from the area. So Big T was from the Balmain area. We weren't from the Dragons sort of district, but. He supported St. George because that was the first game. This is my dad. Uh, it was the first game he went to and they won. So he supported St. George. Yes. And um, right. he passed it on to me and I'll pass it on to my kids as well. <laughs> if they, they have no choice either. But Do you know, have you ever tried to find out which game that was? No, I really should. Mm. I really should. Definitely Cogra Oval. Rugby League Project. Try and find out the year. Yeah, do some research. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But no, it was, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But yeah, I had no choice in the matter. And I, you know, grew up. Born in 85, so we lost the grand final that year. I was, watched grand final losses in 92, 93. Watched another loss in 96. And stop right there. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. hear the next one. Very, very simple story <laughs> uh, for me. Like, yep, yep. Um, my dad grew up in Queenby and yep. started following the Dragons in the middle of the of the run yep. uh, and, and stuck with them. So, again, like no choice in the matter yeah. for me. It was, yep. it was Dragons from very early on. Yep. I, did, I didn't have that, that row bump during Super League. Where, where were you at? I was fine during Super League. Um, in fact, for me, it was probably like the start of really loving rugby league. So it, while everyone else was right. turning off rugby league, I'd been playing for a couple of years as a junior. It was, the, you know, that age where you can quote one to 17, every player from every team. I was like in that sort of stage of my, my fandom. And, you know, there was a lot of chaos going on with that whole Super League war, but I was really beginning my love and passion for the sport. It's so funny. I'm a couple of years older than you, but I, I mentioned on, on our show going to school the morning after, the Monday morning after the April Fool's Day raid, yeah. holding up the paper of, of Brownie crashing over over the bell against the dogs to win the game. Yeah. You know, like this seismic change in rugby league, but I, you know, I was oblivious to it yeah. at mm. the time. You know, Part of me wishes I was still oblivious to it, yeah. the, the way this project's destroyed my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't, we didn't know any better. Really, yeah, you know, yeah. so for us, that was just rugby league. It was a sport we played and loved mm. and um, it's just how it was. And only now looking back do we say, wow, that was probably the most important part of our history to date, mm. you know, so it's it's interesting. And T, let's, before we get to Super League, we have the, the change to Sydney Tigers mm. in 1995. My uh, uh, ex-stepdad, uh, born and bred in Leichhardt, Balmain man through and through. Yep. That was like the last game of rugby league he watched mm. when they decided to change their name to Sydney Tigers, mm. let alone Super League. I completely understand that. And I, I went to, a, I remember going to a game in Parramatta. Uh, I think it was the second last game of the year, which we won maybe against Canterbury. And 
I mean, I distinctly remember that because I was still so angry. I remember coming away from that game. I was with a whole bunch of, of other mates and just being so angry because of the whole the whole situation. And we went to every game in 99. It rained so much at Leichhardt that year, in my memory. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> and I almost remember the opposite of that because because the fandom was building and yep. because we were going despite them losing every week, I was. it felt like we shouldn't be the ones that then get punished for it. It felt like at the time. So you, know, you felt it was a punishment. Yeah, 100% yeah. it was a punishment. Yeah. We weren't good enough to be in your league and so you had to be amalgamated with somebody else. Yeah. And, it, and yeah, and so at the time it was like, if anything, we're paying – it's easy to follow anyone who's good, so they should have to merge or, or whatever. And, yep. and so anyone who's working really hard to be part of this should shouldn't be, you know, should be lauded and, and and should well not lauded, but it shouldn't be punished. So that's why I got so angry. At it. Oh, that's why so many of us got so angry at the time. And and also the it's well documented the suburb had gone through a big seismic change. So anyone who was still following the f- the football also I think had a subconscious annoyance that you know we had tried to to keep that whole thing going and now it was just somebody else even bigger than us was also pushing back against us and the whole suburb had to change and which was why in 05 was so incredible to see the entire place painted orange and black and and it was a real great time for so many people like dawn fraser and all these people junior pierce all these people had worked so hard for it it was you know had seen us finally get something we were in balmain at that league's club finally celebrating a grand final rather than the loss of one was fantastic and so yeah to go into your question 95 really hard Paul Searon <laughs> injured so often we had some other bloke um, who I had to look up because I didn't even know who he was he was playing for Cronulla and then his name was captaining us at that time was Dan Staines Dan Staines oh he loved Dan Staines well <laughs> love strong but like he's a he was a class player played for Queensland he played for Queensland I read that on, on rugby league he, he came well. to my school once in, in his <laughs> days. and uh I can't remember what he was there for but you know had a you know the the packed auditorium, yep. whatever it was, and the, the, the kids, probably that year 9 or year 10, it might have even been in 95, but they just gave him shit like the whole time he was there to the point where at one point he stopped his speech and he's just gone, something funny. <laughs> and he was, he was a hard man, oh, Dan, Dan Staines. Mm. And just seeing that, like I was like, "Wow, Dan Staines." Mm, he's going to run at a kid, and <laughs> I'm with him. But uh, but it wasn't it wasn't so much him, but he's captaining us. You know, that just felt like he was. You know, you've got Ciro, who's a real face of Balmain at the time, and then we had this other bloke who'd just been flown in from Cronulla that year, and he was a captain. And although I'm sure he was great, and probably a great captain, and, and Piercy would know he's a much better coach than I am. But uh, that whole thing, that whole didn't match. You know, you're looking at the Sydney Tigers with this guy who's not Ciro captaining. It was a really unusual time. Sydney Crazy Tigers time. playing at Parramatta Stadium, playing against the Sydney Bulldogs. Stripe. Now think about it, they're playing against the Sydney Bulldogs in '95 yeah. as well. It's even weirder. Yeah, purple stripe. I don't even remember the purple stripe. I may have eliminated. It looks cool my life. <laughs> now, it looks retrospectively. Cool. <laughs> It looks rad, but at the time, you don't want purple in there. So before we get back to carbs and, and the mighty dragons, you're, you're, <laughs> which is what I really want to talk about. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll spend you're, the next hour. So, so yeah. the show's done. Yeah. Um, so your road back to the Tigers, you, you mentioned by 03 you were back. What what got you back be, in? I mean, because really if we were watching me closely, I was always watching it. I just was telling people. I was wearing a Wallabies hat at the time, you know what I mean, but – I still was living in Balmain and, and, and going to school in Balmain and there's the entire community still, you know, there's the laundromats, the Tigers laundromat, the bottle shops, the Tigers bottle shop. You can't, you're not really not going for them. It's just that I was consciously telling people I was going for the Wallabies and was following them, you know, would watch Bledisloe Cup games and stuff, which I wouldn't do now. So that's what brought me back. I was always there. Maybe what what also brought me back was that I just, they'd had their kind of two World Cups and, the, and they'd lost one and so maybe I was childish and went, okay, well, I'll finally go back and watch rugby league or I'll if, start telling people I watch rugby league. If you didn't live in the area, would you have gone back? Great question. Uh, yeah, I'd imagine. I don't. I, yes. How can, how can my entire family – like I can't – whenever I go and see my grandparents, 
one was living in Cogra and constantly talking about the, the dragons, and the other one lives in Newcastle and only ever talks about the, the knights. How mm. could it, it was impossible not to talk about football all the time. And th- those relatives as well in Newcastle, particularly, are fanatical because they um, they really showed me how you're supposed to support. Because I'd go up there and say, you know, Andrew Johns is pretty good. And they'd go, yeah, but you know, we've got these seven other kids in reserve grades right now, and would name or you know the reserve bench of the of the under 21s and you're like, Oh my God, I'm not a fan yet. I just know who are getting on cards. I don't really know the teams or, or what's coming up next. And so having that around you, you mm. can't not, you can't not end up feeling like that's actually important. If everyone in your family thinks it's important, then you just naturally without even thinking, know it's important. So I think what the Wallabies things was me trying to punish rugby league. Cause I felt like I'd been punished, but really I was just, they'd had enough. They'd sat in the corner for, th- for three years and now I was ready to come back. Thank God. And, and so the merger itself, how do you feel now? Like, do do you think there's a world where Balmain could have stayed in? And mm, no, but do, I mean, I mean, your merger is very different. All, all mergers are different. Uh, I think your mergers worked quite well, and all the colours are the same. And so our whole <laughs> fan base has been really upset about just how much black is in something or how much orange is in something for a period of time. So uh, I don't think it can ever work again. I think we've now had twenty years. That's like almost a generation of people going for the West Tigers. I've now gone for the West Tigers longer than I went for Balmain. I, I think all those people still love Balmain. I'm still a Balmain Tigers member and a West Tigers member. And I think once I'm done, when my when Littlest Tigers up and running, no one will. It'll just be a junior district. Mm. And and I think that's fine. The only well, the only way I can see it coming back was our crazy idea once where you have like a, a minor league where where we have like a farm system where New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup are, are really big. And because and, West Magpies have their team at the moment because they, they – they, divorced the West Tigers in, in that New South Wales Cup. And so Bowman could then have one there, and that would be lovely. Like Newtown has one and and, um, and uh, the other one, North Sydney Bears and stuff. So I'd love to see Bowman in there, but I don't ever, I don't think they should be in the NRL. I don't think West Magpies should be in the NRL. I think we've moved, and I think that was now what we should do. I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but now it's definitely the right thing to stay with. So in the same way, I think St. George Illawarra are probably the best way to keep going for you guys mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of any other. Well, I really think also the Bears should have stayed. Well, the Manly should have kept the Bears. And by the way, that's another episode. That, that is another <laughs> episode. Yeah. Uh, but but let, let's turn to the Dragons. Yep. So when, you know, there was talk of, of the Dragons East merger in yep. 25, uh, the potential for the Dragons going to Super League, how aware of that were you at the time? Yeah, I was, I was aware. The, the East merger felt strange to me from the get-go yep. and probably a lot of other fans as well, but my... 10, 11 year old self was like, no, this doesn't quite work. Mm. Sydney Dragsters or the Sydney Saints or whatever, it just wasn't kind of the same. And, and you know, you're naturally, well, naturally against that. In terms of going to Super League, I think I would have been, for me, like, I look through it, I look through that era through an ARL lens. I was an ARL supporter yeah. because my team was in the ARL. Yeah. At the same time, if the Dragons moved to Super League, I would have been all in on the Super League yeah. because now thinking back, the vision that we sort of mock a little bit. <laughs> But I would have been all in on that. Like, yeah, man. Like, let's see Anthony Mundine in China. Yeah, it's what my podcast is about. <laughs> that vision is what the podcast is about. So I would have been completely fine with that. But mm. the Dragons stayed with the ARL and that's that's where I was. And it's funny, my old man at the time, he we were having a conversation about it and he said, oh, I hope St. George go to Super League. Right. And I go, why? Why would you want that? You know, because Super League were the mm. bad guys. Yeah. I go, why would you want that? And he said, well, because it means they'll survive. Mm. And that's kind of how I think maybe that generation felt back then, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it, it was a it was a strange era, very interesting yeah. times. I, I was ARL through and through yeah. until there was the threat of us not being a team anymore. Yeah, and I was like Super League all the way. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's funny because I think if 
if everyone jumped on board with that vision, things would have been very different mm. today. Um, but because there was that schism and that fight for a number of years, it's 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 made things difficult, and we'll probably dig deeper into that yeah. as the conversation goes on. There are two things that your podcast has done, though. I wish I'd been had some kind of pre-test before I started listening because I would have said like, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how do you feel about Super League? Like, Super League zero, yeah, yeah, like yeah. ARL 10. But like we're only a chapter, we're starting the second chapter now and I'm already like, well, Super League three or four, you know, <laughs> ARL six. Yeah. You know, they're kind of sliding closer yeah. together. And um, the other thing I wanted to say is that Rebo, is, you know, has gone through a lot of different machinations this thing, but talking to Patrick Skeen, and all of the reading his book and Rebo scoring all of these tries um, for Australia against New Zealand all these pivotal times is another like, I don't know enough about any of this. I've spent my entire life following rugby league and reading about it. But still, Rebo, I'm learning more about him in this podcast and I'm also now learning more about him as a player. It's such yeah. a bizarrely huge yeah. world that I just don't respect possibly enough, uh, even though I spend my entire time respecting and loving yeah. it. It's bizarre. I will say that about yourself, Mick and Andy. Like listening to you guys, it's been good to hear a completely unbiased mm. uh, record of the period. And maybe being a little bit older, I can understand it more now, but it's just been good to see, you know, I, I mean, to me, it's just like I get frustrated because it's so many missed opportunities, I think, mm. during that time. But, yeah, absolutely crazy. A champagne rugby league podcast, yeah. as Andy would say. <laughs> uh, the, the good thing for me is that we get it from both sides. We yeah. get accused of being biased towards yeah. <laughs> and the ARL. So I think that's a sign we're doing so <laughs> But uh, I mean, you you touched on on the Tigers merger, and it was a very different yep. scenario for us. Yep. I don't know about you, Cubs, but for me, ninety nine didn't feel the slightest bit different to following no. them in ninety eight. No, we had the same colours, same jersey. Our name was there. We just added Illawarra in the middle. You're successful. We, got, we were that successful. We got to go to Wollongong every couple of weeks as well, which was a fun drive. But I think like that's a, like, and when we half time in that ninety nine grand final, we were like, this is it. We are a super club. This is we're on top of the world. This is the future, and um, you were going to win that grand final. Right? We 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 should have won. Oh, you right? did. We should have won. Was it close? Well, well you know, d- we'll, <laughs> when we're not. I'm. This is as much as I can say about it. Have you rewatched it? Yeah, no. I can't. I can't. No. Yeah. I, <laughs> so you know, I mean, you know, you've you've both listened to our show. You know yep. the the work we're doing. Yeah. That will eventually include a season recap <laughs> no of way. 1999. No. I'm, Your face right to, now. <laughs> I, I, I might have to rope you in to, to guest host that one with I'd Andy love it because I, I don't think I could do it. Would you believe it's the first grand final I ever went to? My dad took me to that one. He went there. I went there going for St. George because I believe the narrative that they were the Sydney team. And yep. he went there going, are you crazy? Melbourne's a great team. And, you know, this is a fun narrative. Yep. Little did he know what was going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you. Yeah, yeah. Tigers, Tigers were also in the uh, prelim before that. Guys. All right, we're, also, we're moving on. But but as a club, it was like this is great. Like the yeah. merger has been great mm. that first year. But really, it was like looking back, it was inflated. You know, we yeah. had we had an inflated salary cap because we had two. We had to you know have two two sides come together, and we had all the best players from those sides. Um, Mundine Barrett, like some of the like it was just mm. incredible. And Rod Wisher, it, yeah, it was never going to last. But at the time, it felt like yeah, this is the right decision from from a St George Dragons perspective, anyway. Yeah, and I know any Steelers fan is yep. listening to this, like yep. pulling their hair out. I know it's different yep. Yep. on the Steelers side. Yep. We can only talk from yep. our perspective. Yep. So let's move on to the topic at hand. Yep. So I dare say we've got a lot of overlap in our listenership, but for anyone who maybe isn't aware of your work, um, can you tell us a little bit about your particular passion and, and the, the focus of your podcast chasing kangaroos yeah so chasing kangaroos the whole the whole idea behind that the podcast was to talk more about 
the international game, the growing game, expansion and development. So we might talk about things like the Brisbane Bombers or the Perth Reds or North Sydney Bears coming like, and that sort of thing as well. But we talk about the nations where rugby league is growing. We talk to administrators, players, uh, past players, people from all over the world. And I've spoken to and, and made friends with people from all over the world. It's incredible since we started. But the reason we started the podcast was it's something I've always been interested in. You know, even as a 10-year-old, I like seeing you know, Italians playing in a Coca-Cola World 7s and going, <laughs> this is people from where my family's from who are playing the sport that I love. This is incredible. So that's kind of where my eyes opened and I've always been interested in that and the the, the battling sides that are and, and nations that are trying to make it but can't quite catch the Australian kangaroos, hence the name Chasing Kangaroos. We've, we felt that there was no avenue, certainly not a podcast that spoke about this sort of material. So we saw like my, my friend and I who started the pod 18 months ago, we saw an opportunity to speak about that, give give people a voice who didn't really have one, and it's just grown from there. Um, since then, like I said, we've got we've built a network of friends and, and had so many great guests on. I've been, you know, I've also hosted the official International Rugby League podcast. I helped award the Golden Boot last year. I've been a Red Star Belgrade uh, Rugby League uh, ambassador. I've, I'm on the... Uh, steering committee for the El Salvador Rugby League. Like it's just been like stuff that you would never have imagined 18 months ago that I'm able to get involved in and, and be a part of and it's um, it's crazy. It, it's amazing. You you timed your run so perfectly. Yep. Because it, it, it's, it's almost like kind of a hipster thing now. Yep. To be like, oh, I love rugby league. NRL, nah, mate. I'm, I'm all about, you know, what, what's your Jamaican, going on? <laughs> yeah. The Digicel Cup at the moment. Yeah, it's Jeez, crazy. It's really <laughs> lit, as the hipsters would say. Which obviously you're a big part of of that hipster cred, the, the work you do. on. Look at his hair. I don't think anyone's <laughs> ever called me a hipster, so that's, that's interesting. <laughs> hipster cred. But, hipster cred. But, you're a hipster. But it, it is. So really who the podcast was for originally was people who followed the NRL who didn't know that this other stuff was going on. And we've had listeners reach out to us all the time that say, mate, I'm an NRL fan. I've always followed rugby league my whole life, but I didn't. I didn't know about this, and now I'm more passionate about what's going on in Greece than who played in the NRL this weekend. And that's insane to hear. But we've also got like listeners from all over, like de- from developing nations, who before the podcast they didn't know what each other were doing and they didn't know yeah. each other. So we've been able to bring some of them together and help them formulate ideas based on what's going on in other nations. Um, it's it's just been absolutely insane, and I, I could never have imagined how it's gone and how it's been. So it's really exciting. But the crossover that's happened as well is that often you reflect back on what's happened before. So not specifically Super League, but this kind of World Cup or the yeah. eighty-five tour through New Zealand and yeah. things like that are, are really important parts that you often touch on because it it mirrors what happens now. Or it shows how we've improved and things yeah. like that, which is which is another interesting part of the of your podcast as well. Thanks, man. Yours too. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so so this. You've you've brought us to to why we're here tonight, T. Thanks. This is is one of the case studies we're doing uh, in the gap between the the first and second seasons of the Super League War. Uh, so this is a companion piece to the chapter we had on the nineteen ninety five World Cup. Yep. So I wanted to talk about that tournament in particular, uh, both as a tournament, the Super League context, and where it fits in 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 terms of international rugby league. Because yep. I I see it as a very influential tournament uh and when when we did the chapter i went off half cocked and and said oh it's it's the most important rugby league tournament in history and almost the second i said that with <laughs> given no thought no thought behind it i was just like i said it it's on the air now i'm like 
I'm gonna have to get Carbs in to, to <laughs> get get his opinion on that. I I think um it could have been, you know, hundred years of rugby league since the eighteen ninety five split in the UK. Um, the first time that the home nations were split, it wasn't a Great Britain yeah. side. It was England and Wales, and you had Ireland and Scotland in the emerging nations as well. We had players coming up from like interesting young players like Adrian Lamb, Stanley Jean. Uh, a young guy named Marcus Bai who played for the Port Moresby Viper in Papua New Guinea. We had Welsh players like Eston Harris and Kieran Cunningham who would go on to do great things as well. We ha- we had um, and we had some young Kiwi players who was, would set the foundations for for what's going on now. So a young bloke named Stacey Jones who was 19 at the time, and probably the greatest Kiwi to never play in the NRL, Henry Paul was in that World Cup as well. So there w- there was some real exciting things and in- exciting ingredients there in that World Cup, but because of what was happening with Super League and, and ARL, it kind of could never be as influential as it should have been. Yeah, but do you – here's a spanner. Do you think it could have – it was great because, one, we lost. Australia lost. Australia the first won. game, mm. yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of those games were close. But uh, do you think maybe if you have all of those Super League players in there, it's way more dominant? Like you yeah, think the yep. tournament, if if the if the kangaroos are too strong, that that that's that's not as yeah potentially. Fun. But the kangaroos won the whole thing yeah. with their B side essentially, and mm-hmm. no disrespect to it, like there was some Andrew Johns, Andrew Johns and Fred, Brad <laughs> Fitt, like great players, but you know it, at the time it wasn't their strongest yeah. side that mm-hmm. they could have fielded. So and they still won, and I feel like that was the beginning of this whole because before then there was an aura about Wigan coming over and playing the Broncos. There was an aura about Great Britain sides, but. After that, they became a little bit of a joke because B-grade Australia could beat them. And then you had, of course, the the, um, the Challenge Cup in the Super League year where the clubs got absolutely decimated. And, you know, 25 years later, here we are looking at, unfortunately, like no, no disrespect to the English Super League. I love watching it and I'm a big St. Helens fan. I love watching the Catalan Dragons and I enjoyed the Toronto Wolfpack short life so far. <laughs> but it's just not quite... NRL standard, mm. and I feel like that's where all of that really began. Oh, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I find that extremely fascinating. So you think this, the 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 death of the Super League happens because of this '95 World Cup? Are you doing the same kind of I'm not, shout that Michael no, no, did in no, the no, moment no, you heard it? I'm not saying the death of the Super League happened, but I'm saying that's where Australia really became dominant. And I think two big things happened that year mm-hmm. in in the world of rugby, both league and union. Like it was probably the biggest year since the code split in 1895 because we had, in Australia, we had a massive code war. Mm. We were fighting amongst ourselves. Meanwhile, rugby union were becoming professional worldwide. And it was probably because of our code war that they became professional. Mm. So SANSA, the South African, New Zealand, Australian rugby union, they really formed their super rugby competition as a knee-jerk reaction to Super League and ARL potentially being able to steal all of their best players. Hold on, did I already learn this from your podcast? You, if you yeah, listen, Super Rugby, yeah, okay, okay. Did you say yeah? yeah, yeah okay, yeah. so so really because of Super League, we not only did we have a massive fight amongst ourselves, but our greatest competitor internationally as a sport mm. for so long got a leg up on the international scene. Mm. And if things went, and it goes back to what my old man said about the Dragons going to Super League, if everyone went to Super League. Um, things might be very different mm. 25 years later. And just as an example, that Welsh team yep. made it to the semifinals. Yep. Uh, 2000, they also went to the semifinals, yep. but thereafter fell away very swiftly. Yep. I, I think, I, I don't have the numbers, but I think something like 11 of the 16 players 
in their semi-final were, were in union like yep. a, a year or two later. Yep. So, yep. I mean, who's to say what would have happened if, if not for that? Well, look at Wales. Look at South Africa at the time. If they didn't go professional, you know, that it would have been a totally different story. France is another one. Ireland potentially as well. Um, we'd be looking at a completely different scenario today at, at international rugby league level. And you look at their two World Cups because they have one in 99 and we have one in 2000 and yeah. our 2001 doesn't stack up. Yeah. It, mm. But their 99 one is, is still on the incline after South Africa did so well in 95 yeah. and then and then Australia does so well in 99. So, look, it's fascinating to look at and just think what could have been. Um, mm. It's a little bit sad as well. But, yeah. Which is another great plug for David Hunter's hypothetic and yeah. our <laughs> podcast where he constantly does this he sits around and picks a great t- topic and works out what would have happened instead you should do the world cups david there's your first thing i know you're listening big guy uh yeah anyone who's not on top of that uh li- listen to dave hunter one one of the true friends of the rld mm. uh his rugby league podcast hypothetic rl um some some great unpretentious history <laughs> uh from someone who loves the game mm. yeah very much the other aspect, the other thing that made me think of it as such an, an influential tournament, yep. a, a, just a marker of where we were then yep. and the work that had got us there. So when when we did that episode, we were quite critical of the ARL's uh, work on the international front. And this uh, was met from a rebuke by uh, someone on Twitter who I'd be astounded if he wasn't a devoted Chasing Kangaroos <laughs> listener, at uh, Paul Mack. Oh yeah, yeah, great bloke. Yeah. Uh, you know, shout out to Paul if, yeah. if you hey, are Paul. listening to this. I've, I've I've dug up his tweet to us. Oh wow! Uh, so he said, strongly disagree with your point on the ARL not caring about the game internationally prior to '95. From '89 to '95, there was a biannual three-game series versus New Zealand and a biannual Pacific Cup from '86 to '94. ARL also held the World Sevens, which got the game started in Fiji, USA, etc. Yeah. When I read that, it, it made me think that. I, I, I still stand by uh, some warranted criticism of the ARL internationally, but I think we were guilty of not seeing the forest for the trees. Arthurson had all these little digs, like minimising the, the game internationally, saying he wasn't going to jump off Northhead if, you know, Tonga go to, to Super League or whatever the quote was. There was quotes, early, you know, a few years earlier saying, oh, I don't know how we're going to fit a World Cup final in. You know, it, it was clear that it wasn't, his first priority, but they got to the point where they could not only hold an expanded World Cup, 10-nation World Cup for the first time, at the same time hold an emerging nations World Cup mm. with, you know, seven countries, Moldova, yep. Yep. You, you know, that shows some foresight. Yeah. They had Bob Abbott, the, I, I guess, whatever his title was, a, a development officer in the Pacific who was, was going around and, and trying to build up the game in the Pacific, which were strong rugby union areas our argument was well if they hadn't made it his little pet project yeah they'd actually put some real resources some real capital behind it then you know they might have avoided all the pacific nations signing with super yep. league yep. but that's that's hindsight talking you can understand the arl needing to defend their own territory in australia and and putting all their effort behind that and like you said just to have that world cup and get behind that in the emerging nations was huge the issue probably was that there was no, there was nothing off the back of that. Like mm. these emerging, this emerging nations World Cup, we saw a Cook Island side take it out, an Irish side who were favourites come second. You know, we had a Russian side, a USA side, Moldova, Morocco. Uh, I think Scotland were there as yep. well. And really, if you look back at that, most of the, if you look at the team list, there were a few heritage players there. 
but most of them were domestic players playing rugby league really? back in their home nation. Like Cook Islands were mostly domestic players and they took the whole thing out. And we don't really see that now, right? There's a lot of, when, when it comes to higher levels of international rugby league, we almost, the, the, the domestic players are on the bench or they're, they're uh, you know, they're part of the training squad and yeah. they're not, you know, you look at the, you know, the Italian side in the World Cup, for example, full of Tedesco's and Minicello's, not mm. necessarily the Jolly Cellarinos who are playing French Elite 2 and born mm. in Italy. But I think the problem was that nothing happened after that World Cup and that Emerging Nations World Cup to really build upon what they had done. And, mm. and that's because of the fight that we're having internally, ARL versus Super League. And if you look at those Emerging Nations then and you look at their domestic scenes now, they're not better. Mm. Some of them have gone backwards. You know, and and only now, twenty five years later, are we starting to pull off the bandages? Like, if you like, you guys might disagree, but I've heard you guys make talk on the pod about how ninety four was like this epic year for rugby league. It was the the height of our 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 support and our like popularity. I would argue we're pretty close to that again now, mm. but it's taken us twenty five years to get there, and only now are we NRL is popular, international rugby league's making a comeback thanks to Tonga, and I feel like the things that should have been happening in 95, 96, they're starting to happen again now. Mm. And um, again, interesting to watch. <laughs> mm. The last time I bought and, and, and did stuff with rugby league cars was 94. And I just yeah. think I remember being on my grandmother's carpet playing a game um, with the cars moving around. And the last time I bought them, yeah. well, since then, is 2020. Yeah. Because just because I'm, when it's a COVID time, so I wanted to kind of commemorate that. But I've also been swept up with maybe what you're talking about, the kind of magic fandom that we're really hitting some excellent heights. Rugby league. Rugby league. I, I also bought some rugby league cards recently. Yes. For, for my son's birthday. Oh, yeah, doing, I bought them for my son as well, sorry. I'm doing all I can to get him to watch footy and I thought the cards might get him in, but... Yeah, so, I don't know if you've got any advice. For Watching football is the worst thing kids will mm. do. That don't do that for a really long time because it, it. If you sit down and you're not watching St George, it is really challenging to watch 80 minutes, particularly if it's not a great game. Mm. And so for all kids, it's not a great game. They don't get it until the last five minutes where you have an emotional like, oh my god, it's just about to end and we might win. Then they're like, oh my god. But for 80 minutes, it's a really long time for kids. So so yeah, don't don't do that. Do. You just tell them a story about something great or, mm. or yeah, just anything about the game at the moment. <laughs> the dragon is a great thing. Just have the dragon everywhere, the reds everywhere. Yeah. I think that's what it is. My kids. I'm working hard on it. I've got yeah. a lot of research. <laughs> I will do a podcast, The the Child Wars, where yeah. it's just like how you can brainwash your child at an early age. Very early on, my kids could identify the dragon's logo, yeah. right? And they see if I wear a dragon's jacket or hat, they say, oh, St. George. Yeah. yeah. And they know it and they love it, even though they don't really watch the games. My daughter told me she hates watching St. George, which yeah. at the moment. I do as well, but, but so I can understand. Although we've had a, we had a few good weeks, but um, but I think they'll get there, Mick. I, I hope they'll so. Get there. They're they're both doing the annoying thing of like saying they go for the sharks. Yeah, see, this is my daughter told me she likes Newcastle because that's where the princess lives in the castle, and I can't argue with that logic. So as yeah. long as they're liking rugby league, though, gentlemen, that's yeah, yeah that's important at the moment. Good point. We've got a bit off track. Yeah, sorry, sorry, get, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. But I was going to say before we get back on track, mm. we should uh, mention one of your other podcast projects. <laughs> yeah, see that? Well, sure. That's there's a little rugby league, which is a podcast just for this to try and help families um, 
can do stuff with the game because the game's so hard to get them to sit and watch. Um, so that's just a small thing where you can listen with your kids and and try it with your kids. See, what, tell me what you think because if it's terrible, I want to change it so that it works because because I've got a couple more years before my kid's going to sit down and listen to podcasts, and so I want to make sure it's right so that he gets brainwashed mm. at the perfect time. I've done a whole bunch of books. Oh, I think yeah, yeah I, I, they arrived in the mail yeah. on Friday, <laughs> loving them. And, uh, Brilliant work. And again, that was just because I was thinking if I want him to read and write and whatever, but if I'm going to get him there, I might as well you know sub it subliminally get some. Uh, craziness in there and so he's constantly talking about buses so oh, up pops a book about rugby league buses and he loves trucks what oh, up pops you know anything about any, anything he's interested in. oh that's also a rugby league thing and so that's that's what I'm working on at the moment uh, yeah the poor bastard is inundated <laughs> at the moment but we walked past the TV the other day the football was playing and he said tackle rolling pass run tackle wow watching the game and he was laughing because because i tackle him all the time and then we rolling because i'm trying to get him in a melbourne storm kind of wrestle vibe because that's <laughs> that's the future and then we pass and catch so it was i was getting very excited with no screen time before too so if there's any new south wales department of health people listening you know we didn't watch for very long <laughs> but um that was super exciting didn't make him watch 80 minutes though because yeah kids can't do anything for that yeah, yeah no. more than five <laughs> that's pretty cool all rugby right. league families. Yeah. We're all here because of our families. This is more, yeah. The more people I talked to, it was because yeah. it was handed yeah. down. So yeah. yeah. Just trying to make it work for as many people as possible. Now, I don't think there's a way to naturally segue back to the topic. So I'm just going <laughs> to take it apart. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, our kids never have to deal with the Super League. Yeah. Oh, good one. All right. So hard left back to the Super League. Yeah. And, and Super League internationally, it was all about the, the global vision. Yeah. But taking over the English game didn't come into it until it was strategically advantageous. Yep. Same with taking over all the Pacific leagues, getting like world domination that yeah. I, I didn't realise that. So in pre-season, I think it was pre-season 97, yep. the Roosters and East went over to Japan to play a um, pre-season game there. Wow. Well, I didn't even know that. I think they got about uh, 10,000 people. Wow. So they went over on this promotional jaunt, but even that was compromised by the fact that whatever rugby league there was in Japan had already signed with Super League. Yeah. Mm. And and I think that would have been like a, a guy in, in his basement who, you know, what, watched a couple of games, you know, when, when he visited Sydney 10 years before. You know, I don't <laughs> think there was a, yeah. a thriving rugby league <laughs> yeah, yeah. scene in Japan, but what there was had signed with Super League. That yeah. was the reach of Super League, mm. which if, you, if you're going to be cynical, you can say that, I don't know that their hearts were ever in it internationally, like the way they talked. Yeah. But at the same time, what was the first ball kicked in anger in Super League? It was the World Nines in Fiji, pre-season 96. Their record thereafter is spotty. You had a disastrous England um, tour of New Zealand and Papua New Guinea yep. late in 96. World Club Challenge, you know, less said of the better. Yep. <laughs> you, they had like... They were talking about this Oceania Cup in 97, which yep. was another, you know, similar to the emerging nations. So they had the idea that they would build up the game in the, the so-called minnows in the same way that the ARL were doing. But you already saw in 97 Western Samoa, you know, leaving the tournament because of a dispute they had with the management. Mm. So the signs were pointing to a very similar outlook for International Rugby League under Super League mm. than what we had with the ARL. Yep. And maybe that's unfair on Super League when they only had a year or two, to, you know, of, of evidence to show. But the signs were there that it wasn't going to be very different. Yeah. The first ball kicked in anger, by the way. It's a phenomenal – that was excellent. <laughs> what were you going to say? Sorry, I was just overwhelmed by that. No, well, it's interesting. We, I guess we'll never know, though, Mick, because 
like you said, they've only they only had a year or two. I think the idea from the get go was they wanted this to turn rugby league into a global sport, and it got to a point where they realised, look, we might not be able to beat the ARL here. We need to go and get everyone else now, mm. and that happened very quickly. Yeah, someone from Japan in their garage who you know just starting up a little social rugby league match on the weekend with his mates because he visited Australia a few years ago. All of a sudden, someone's throwing him some money, and he's yeah. like, "Well, yeah, I'll take that." Yeah, it's interesting. Leading to one of my favourite uh, moments in the whole war, which was a, a group of people from a, around, uh, you know, very specific islands. At I, I can't remember. It was it was at a hotel, and they were being courted by representatives of, of yeah. ARL and Super League. And someone had the quote: "They were walking around going, how good's this?'" I, I just love the the spread of that term. When rugby league travels somewhere, how good is this? Mm. Travels with it, and all the players were thinking that as well, right? Yeah, in that era. So mm. like they weren't going to argue with the money being thrown at them, and and they had every right to be making good money. You know, it's a professional sport. People still argue now that players earn too much and I, I think they don't earn enough. Like give them as much as they can possibly get. I've got no issues with that, but we're probably going slightly off topic. Mitch, <laughs> well, a lot of that is hypothetical and, yep. and there's no real answer. Yep. So I want to turn to the, the tournament itself, yep. which was, you know, I, I watched it for the first time, you know, since it happened in, in the lead up to our chapter on it and my God, that was a fun tournament. Oh it was, God. wasn't it? Yeah. So glad that's the first thing you said. Yeah, yeah. It was such great football. <laughs> the, Italian, the Australian team particularly, but I just need to be the first person to say it on this thing because, it's, again, it's a dream. Uh, a New Zealand beat, I think it's Tonga. Yeah, with, just. With a Matt Ridgefield goal. <laughs> now, do, do we have a do we have I, a, I don't. I don't have no, a I don't, But I'm just glad I brought it up because um, <laughs> because I watched some replays and then was just reading stuff about it today. I was like, oh, my God, Ridge is going to come up and I'm going to be on there. It's going to be so great. Um I mean, how did you feel about Tonga losing that game? I know you went infatuated them at the time. but Well, at the time, it wasn't a, <laughs> a big deal really for me. But looking back now, it's interesting to see that Tonga came so close to New Zealand back then. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's, like you said, it was just a fun tournament. Like the, they, they threw it around. It was, there was a lot of broken play. Like you said, the whole theatre behind England winning game one and then losing the grand final, it had everything, you know, and... And I'm now a, such a huge fan of Fittler John's 2v combination. Oh my god! Yeah. Moving those two um, around from hooker to halfback is like one of the smartest things I've ever seen. I don't know because I didn't bother to look out, which is stupid of me. If we were already doing that in the Blues before this tournament, or if that was no. So John's John's was halfback for the first two games. He got dropped for 2v. So Tuvi was halfback for game three in that series. Oh right! I forgot how good Fittler was back then. Like he You're was, crazy yeah, he was in, he was great. And I, I always thought Fittler was overrated. Like, I, I was going to say that, but yeah. I was scared to. <laughs> no. I'm glad you agree. I, I remember Fittler being better towards the very end of his career. And I just remember him th- be, thinking he was overrated for most of it. But him in that World Cup, he was, he was something else. Yeah. Like, and he, you can clearly see when you're watching that team, why they went for Johns and Fittler, because they were smart enough to realize that that's the face of yeah. the game and the ability for the next five or six years. And that was an incredible investment. Although Ricky Stewart was great and Laurie Daly was great still at the time, they were definitely on the shadow of their careers, whereas those two boys were, and and I proved to be the the next level of both of, of Ricky and Laurie. So I, I I disagree on Laurie Daly. I I think he is the equal of Fitler, and and I think it's it's at the point now where he's underrated. Really, mm. he was so good. He was like in '95, he was the best player in the world. Mm. Fitler had a that was the you know Fitler's ascension. And he was amazing during that World Cup. But that was the year that Laurie Daly was at his absolute peak. Yeah. 
and you know his body started to break down shortly after like you know it, it was the the very 96 he was still elite as well mm-hmm. but it, it was kind of the end of his prime but uh, I, I i don't think laurie daly gets enough credit and, and that might be his coaching I mean, maybe more recently it's he's lost because of that. But the they they had a, a very similar um, pathway as well. The, I've only spent a very small amount of time thinking about it, and and now that I um, now that I've really started to think about it, I would love to do a um, what's that great lecture thing that you once told me about a hundred years ago, and that's how we first met, Tom Brock. No, Tom Brock. If I ever got to do a a one of the things on that, it would just be the parallels of those two. Which one is the better of the two? Because I've, I'd have thought about it before, and the only reason why I came down on Fitler was because of early Fitler and Penrith. I thought was better than early Daly. Um, just that Anthony Mundine to that for best five eight of the year. No, I'm just, <laughs> just no. kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, and so that's the only reason why I've ever come down on Fitler. But it could definitely be recency bias, and it could definitely be also their their post career media thing. Fitler is also better in commentary than Laurie, so maybe all of that's accidentally. I think it's partly also Fitler had the versatility to become a very different player uh, at you know at, at the end of his yep. career. Mm-hmm. He got the premiership and, yep. and had those grand finals with the Roosters, so he had the long longevity that that Daly didn't. Mm. But yeah, super player. But back to Fitler and that team, that combination. You didn't miss Super League players at all, even when you had mm. like these players who would never play for Australia. Again. I had to check who they missed. I mean, when I saw Terry Hill and Hopper Whitey on the wings, I was like, okay, we're missing some people out. What wasn't Terry Hill fast though? I don't remember him mm. being that quick. He ended up playing for the Tigers, and he was terrible for the Tigers. He played for Manly, who we were supposed to hate, and he came to the Tigers. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about Terry Hill. We also took Hopper off. Anyway, the uh, didn't love them. Tim Brasher though, also phenomenal. Wishart in that, also phenomenal. I remember having that feeling in the '96 Origin series, thinking we're not missing Super League players. In, well, '96 they played. No, was it? Oh, sorry, was it '97? '97. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I remember thinking, look at this. We've got like we we don't need the Super League players in this, and it was it was it was great to watch. I don't know about did it, England was going through the same problem. Did did they get affected at all by this this selection things? They didn't obviously care about any of. No, this. so there were players who signed with the ARL, mm-hmm. and there was certain points where players weren't able to go on that tour to New Zealand uh, at the end of '96. Um, I think it was Jason Robinson, Gary Connolly, uh, maybe one other. But by and large, they didn't have that issue. So, so that World mm-hmm. Cup team was just anyone was available. If they stay as Great Britain, I know we're doing so much hypothetical over this realize, poor David. <laughs> the um, if they stay as Great Britain, do you think they end up winning that whole thing? They would have been a str- slightly stronger side. They only need a few points. Like Kieran Cunningham, certainly later on in his career, was one of the best hookers mm. in the world. That was the other thing I didn't remember about that game was that how close it was from its entirety until that weird jag of a try that I think Brasher scores um, to, to put us... Is this in the final? Out. Yeah, in the final. So, yeah. yeah. Did you did you guys forget about stoppage time? We had yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm watching yeah. this and I'm, I'm watching the end and it's up to like the 83rd minute and I'm like, hold on a second, what's going on? <laughs> I also it, forgot about running sideways. <laughs> Everyone runs sideways in, in 95, particularly the forwards. I couldn't believe it. Such a great game. Anyway, so the... So only a few points in that game, I think Great Britain ended up winning it and then I wonder... How, what kind of an impact that has on the international game? If Great Britain ends up winning that one, putting the Australian B side away, that has massive ramifications back here, particularly for Super League. And because then it was a bad choice, we should have picked Super Correct. League. Correct, it changes everything, and mm. maybe that stigma that the English Rugby League has now is completely yeah, different. Well, yeah, the, the, the biggest, the biggest hypothetical in the whole thing for mine um, <laughs> goes back to Ridgie in, <laughs> in, the, in the semi-final, right? 
absolutely shanking a, a conversion from the sideline where mm. the Australian players under the post were, were thinking, okay, we're going home. Um, you know, Matt, Matthew Ridge is is going to slot this over. Worst kick of his career to miss. Has a field goal attempt that shaves the post. Mm. Australia should have gone home in the semifinals and then suddenly you have England, England New Zealand, New Zealand mm. all Super League. The oh, Australian God. ARL team go home in shame. Mm. That's sort of that. That's much bigger. You're right. I'm that glad cha- it didn't happen. Changes everything. Is that a match of Matthew Ridge's book? That yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. that poor bastard. And yeah. how does he lament on it? Fondly or like? <laughs> <laughs> Fondly. No, he said that that would like keep him up at night oh, like, for no. months after. Wow. Which because I hate believing that stuff. I, I once asked Junior about that as well. I, had, I know a lot of people talk about it, but what do you think about it. He's like, I think about it all the time. Mm. And when I, I also asked Florimo about it, you know, that, that time in the 90s, Matt Sears is running down the, the sideline. Um, if he just doesn't get he, – he, Florimo says he looks back inside twice and he's never seen him do that because he often backs himself. But he looked back twice and both of those lookbacks mm. are the, the centimetre he needs. And listening to him, he, he was thinking, like, this isn't the first time he's reflected on it. He's like, no, I think about that weekly, wow. that, that particular moment. And then that whole time, you're like, please don't. I shouldn't have asked because I didn't want to hear this answer. And that's the same thing now I'm here with Matthew Rich. I don't want to hear those poor bastards. I want them to just go, look at all the great things I did. There were some bad things, but, but they don't. They end up, it's like gamblers. They don't, they don't gamble because they win a lot. They gamble because they ju- the win that they just miss. And that's mm-hmm. what they reflect on. Oh, heartbreaking. I'll stop talking about it. <laughs> I don't do anything successful, so I never do anything that bad, so I don't know what it feels like. <laughs> well, I mean, going back to 99, I'm still, like, broken <laughs> yes. to this day. Like, yes. that's a scar that will never heal. So imagine, like, playing, yeah. like actually yeah, no, actually right. having a stake in the game. Mm. No, you're right. I still think The West Tigers have never been in a grand final that they've <laughs> lost, so it's hard for me to um, really feel. Actually, that semi-final in 2005, that... How that, do you talk about? That is my number two, like... In the pain rankings, really that that dragon. But what loss. about 2010? If we're going to keep doing that, 2010, you you bump us in a in a in a headgear Sowie, you know, a magic moment for him. But 05, once we beat you in that game, I was done. That was it. We'd won the grand final. Yeah, I'm so excited yeah. by that. And Every Tigers fan I've ever known, <laughs> or it must be like Dragons fans talking about the 11 in a row. They all talk about that. Yeah, 05 semi. Gaznia had such an incredible season. He was the only person I was super worried about. and Had a terrible game. Benji coming left off that scrum. Oh. Well, I don't, I don't know about you, Cubs, but I I knew it was coming. Like we really? we played our first semi final against the Sharks. We played terribly, and then the next week, so we had the week off. I was praying the Broncos were going to beat you because mm. I could just see the Tigers mm. coming on. And going into that game, I'm like, it was just our luck during that period, though. Like we on paper, it's been spoken about to death, but. What a side during that period. Mm. We just could never do it. And like, how did you feel? Like 2010, did you feel relief? Or like what was your feeling when we finally Look won? at your face. You did not feel relief. I felt like in my mind it was kind of like, yeah, like we should have finally we've won something. But I wasn't relieved. It was like I couldn't even celebrate that much because I felt like we needed more because we. I felt like we deserved more than that one grand final. And I know it sounds really strange. Like mm. from a Tigers perspective, you guys won 05 and you, it was amazing. Yeah. But that, that 2010 for me, I was just like, I don't think I was as elated as I should have been as a Dragons fan. No, for me, like it was, that was it. Like, I don't know if you've read the, the Nick Hornby book, Fever Pitch, but so he's an Arsenal fan and he's yeah. talking about uh, growing up I think they had like an 18-year an gap, yeah. which now sounds like nothing. But when, when I was reading at the time, it's 18 years. Imagine mm, that, yeah. you know. Um, 
so we had this 18-year gap and all he wanted to do was see Arsenal win the, the premiership. Yep. And I think it was like 1990 or something. They, they finally do it. And he said that after that it was never quite the same. Yeah. And, right. and at the time reading that, being such a St. George fan and just wanting that premiership so yep. bad, I was yep. like, that, that would never be me. Like I'll, I could win a premiership every year and I'll still want it just as bad. But... Mm. It, it really has never been the same. So I you're still, satis- satisfied. We got that win and you're... I'm not satisfied. Yeah, don't, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, they're a frustrating. I wanted more. I think I wanted <laughs> you know, 12 in a row. Like yeah. I just wanted more. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it's not that I'm satisfied, but yeah. it, it's never quite been the same. Like at the end of every season prior to 2010, I, I'd be like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do another year of this. Mm. Like... I, I, I cannot go another year. Mm. And and the year before, like I just started seeing my now wife at the time and it was the, the semi-final against the Broncos that, you know, knocked us out of the comp that year. And, you know, we had a date. It was early on in the relationship and I was just like, <laughs> right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to suck this up, you know, just don't, don't let her see your pain, yeah, yeah. you know. And I thought like I did such a good job. I was, you know, and then the next day I was like, you know, you know, I was actually quite upset last night. It was, it was, I was quite sad about the dragon. She's like, I know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, she knew what she was getting into for uh, before you got married. Because I, we, we were moving to a place in Wollongong and they had a pub on the corner and I and I distinctly remember saying to my partner just before we got married, we have to live in this apartment because that pub, which was in Balgowney, um, had... We aren't a St. George team. This is a Tigers thing. It was in that 2010 um, final series. I was like, that pub is the only pub in Wollongong. We're happy to tell everyone that they're a West Tigers pub, so we have to live next door to it. And so she was okay, well, that's what I'm getting into. That's, that's, and she's still here today. So she's happy with me brainwashing our child. So that, but that's, that's, so what happens now? You, you win your next one. Is that what you're talking about? You win your next one, you're going to be like, oh. I think I enjoyed the chase, which is probably why mm. I love you're International Rugby League. We're chasing kangaroos, right? <laughs> so, like, I just enjoy that build up and that like that startup sort of environment and and growing and making things better and we had that for so long as Dragons fans and but I just I don't know I just felt like maybe maybe that was that was it for me like the chase was over we did it and we could relax mm. um I don't know it's hard to describe man speaking of grand finals I think that's probably super leagues ended up being its accidental worst part about it is that the sharks didn't win here's another hypothetic sharks win that one we don't ever go Brisbane won the blah blah asterisk. We'd you know would have been like my well, Super League's under something. Sharks won. Andrew Eddinghausen gets his premiership ring. But also that Manly didn't win in the ARL because I think the fact that That's Newcastle why, won the way 100%. they did, yeah, yeah, like it just again, it just everything happened the way it Andrew did. Jones. Yeah, that and and this is we've we're given Dave so much yeah. content for hypothetical. Well, Dave, but <laughs> like that that may be the biggest hypothetical yep. in yeah. rugby league history. That mm. ninety-seven grand final, mm. like. Uh, which, which I really look forward to covering when we get to it in, in the Super League War. You have at least eight episodes on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just just to bring it all home, I, I, I really want to look at where we are today because my big yep. fear, watching that 95 World Cup, seeing Tonga get so close against New Zealand, seeing Papua New Guinea go well, Western Samoa, when you put when you look at this current you know, the high of international rugby league, how good Tonga are going, all the rest of it. It's hard not to look back and say, we've been here before. Yeah, mm. yeah. And we had. And it goes back to what I said originally. I feel like the last 25 years we've been healing from the wounds of that war. 
and only now is rugby league back to its best and its height of popularity. Only now is, is international rugby league back. And there are now more competitions and tournaments in place, putting, putting aside coronavirus and everything that's going on in the world at the moment, which is putting a few things on pause. But there are now, there's now 10 years worth of competition, not only for the big three or four nations, but for the, the 40 or so um, international rugby league members. So there's, it's not like we had an emerging nations world cup with seven nations and then never followed up on those guys from Moldova ever again. There's actually plans in place and there's, there's annual events happening. So I feel like it's not that, oh no, why are we even trying? Because it didn't get off the ground in 1995. It's more like, let's cut out that 25 year period and just add it to the end. And this is what kind of should have happened and what can happen. Cause this, but, this world cup feels exciting, right? Like this one, 2021 like mm. could you know, it has the hype around it that maybe that 1995 should have had. Mm. It's just, a, yeah, it's 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 it could be crazy. And the growth is there because you can see women's one. They've put a huge amount of time and effort into that. The wheelchair one there. All three are getting the same amount of coverage and and time. And so that feels it yeah. feels like they've learned a lot and that they're, and they're doing a great job. And add way. to that earlier in the year, which hopefully it still goes ahead. Again, we don't know what the state of the world's going to be, but there'll be a women's emerging nations World Cup right. mid next year. Uh, there'll be a men's emerging nations world cup in 2022 um there's just so much going on mm. and the fact that they're not tied together is also really smart because they're not it's not just we'll do a men's one and chuck on a women's one it's you know these are important enough to have standalone tournaments there's a bit of politics behind that so the okay. men's one was meant to be at the same time oh. as the women's one but because the last emerging nations world cup was in 2018 for the men those nations that were a part of that had already planned to have their their next emerging nations world cup 4 years later right there's a whole lot of other issues as well in terms of season timing and heritage players from Australia being able to to forego club commitments in New South Wales, Queensland Cup and go over to England during the most expensive time to travel. Mm. So there's a whole lot of politics around that. Which I plan to ignore and just pretend Maybe we that just edit was... that out later, yeah. <laughs> so it's easy to say put coronavirus aside. Yeah, yeah. Harder to do in reality. Of course, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where, how positive are you about rugby league internationally in the next two years the next five years coronavirus everything else that that we're contending with yeah i'm positive i hope that coronavirus is just a pause i think like what has been going on with like tonga have been an absolute revelation seeing them beat everyone you never would have expected that a few years ago um i think there is potential for a tonga new zealand rivalry to be as big as state of origin in in that part of the world. I'm not saying us in Sydney will get behind it, but certainly in Auckland, it can be that big. Um, there's also a lot of potential in the pathways coming through to the NRL. So you've got, I think, the, and I'm not sure if this is a question of yours, Mick, but we we'll, we'll, might move the conversation this way. But I think the next big nations are going to be Fiji and Papua New Guinea because of the pathways that are coming up through the NRL from those nations. So you've got Matt Church and the PNG Hunter guys doing incredible work identifying talent, bringing them through their PNG Hunter system, filtering those players through the Queensland Cup. Players are going to Super League. You've got guys like Justin Ollum, um, Eden Gebby signed with the, with South this year before going back to Digicel Cup because of COVID. But there are players coming through that that channel every year that – you know, for every and Matt said this to you, Big T, in in, in our episode um, Hunters and Kumuls. He said that for every um, Justin Olam, there's probably ten other guys that we haven't discovered yet that are mm. just as good. And Fiji are about to do the same thing. Petro Sivanasiva with his club, the Cavite Silk Tails. There's a 16-team domestic competition in Fiji. The best of those guys will be playing 
or were meant to be playing Ron Massey Cup this year, the plan is now for that to be moved to next year. Again, we we can't predict what's going to happen with the coronavirus, right? But that they've built an academy, there are players training, and they're 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 a good standard of player. That can that will only get better. They'll move into New South Wales Cup. The pathways will grow, and we're going to see a lot more Fijians and Papua New Guinean-born players filtering up to the NRL, going across the Super League to the point where nationally they're going to be great. Like we, we will get to a point, I think, five, ten years time, where realistically Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, Papua New Guinea, and Fiji can win the World Cup. Oof. The, uh, and I believe that. Yeah. Like I know, yeah. I believe that the issue is going to be will England keep up and what else is going on in Europe because mm. there's a big chance that they're going to be very far behind mm. based on what's going on over here and I'm not sure if they realize it that yeah. yet. Before we go in that tunnel this is why I believe you the um the the, the rugby league is going to be okay in a growth sense once but rugby league right now is already being played what isn't happening is flights yeah. and so so movement has has paused but rugby league is is still happening and so what's happening now is COVID is has created a real community feel because people have have had to band together and and ignoring second or third waves that community feel gets put into community events and community things like this and so I think all of those nations including New South Wales and Queensland have really enjoyed the aspect of being able to come back to something communal like football and that and it'll only grow in the love for that and and the time and reflection of we came out of COVID to this to rugby league will will imprint on people and when we can start to travel again and the silk tails can play in the New South Wales Cup and yep. and, and things then all, all the great things that have been happening during that separate time will just flood then I, I really think that, that that rugby league will still survive and the growth of the rugby league will survive through this um yeah so i definitely agree with you yep well that's a nice positive note to end on i'm, I'm, I'm glad the, that's the, why they pay me the big bucks <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I gotta say t one of the the true nice guys of of the the rugby league media landscape the nicest man on rugby league twitter big sure. t yeah sure, uh, sure. In, infectious enthusiasm <laughs> For the game and all aspects of it. So uh, make sure you're on top of Sports Best Friends. Uh, anyone who's not, what, what's your Twitter handle? At The Biggest Tiger. At The Biggest Tiger. Make sure you're on it, Carbs. Uh, at Chasing Roos. Yeah, and, and make sure you're listening to uh, all all of the the you know, 17 podcasts that you're doing today. <laughs> Yeah, um, th- this has been a really fun chat. So um, it's so great for me. No, it's been, Sitting yeah. here and listening to you both talk is phenomenal. <laughs> no, it's great it's been, to be an audience in the room. It's I still can't believe we we've recorded this. So I can't can't yeah. wait to hear it back. And, All right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we did record it. So thanks to both of you, and we will speak to you next week. Thanks, mate. Say hi to Andy. <laughs> <laughs>